Today's episode of The Dad Chronicle is brought to you by you. This show is made possible by patrons who subscribe over at supportadad.com. There are a bunch of cool rewards and other fun things and ways to support the show. So if you would like to support the show, even at $1 a month, that would help a lot. You can do so by heading over to supportadad.com. Again, thank you to all of our patrons who have been supporting this show. It means the world to us. Welcome back to the Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 128. Today, I talked to Johan Martinez Kalilian, an executive coach, a podcaster, and a new dad. Johan has a beautiful story, a lot of grit, determination, tenacity, and love and emotion filled within this conversation that I'm sure you're going to love. First, we talk about the scary discovery he and his wife made about their daughter during pregnancy. There's a little small hole in her heart. Um, he also said she has a, a cyst in her lung. We talk about approaching the hardships of life with courage and tenacity. I think there comes a point where, as human beings, we must embrace the fact that much of life is beyond our control. We actually have more peace and more power when we, we live in a posture of surrender for those things. Next, we talk about the emotional first moments of meeting his daughter. Like This is a moment that I've been waiting for my whole life. It felt like automatically she was like, I'm here, you know? Yeah. And I see you. Next, we talk about the important role that fathers have to play in their child's life. The primary thing is is just realizing that I have this place in her life. It's not about me being perfect. It's about what path am I creating? What am I inviting her into? And finally, Johan talks about the example his own father has set for him. There's never going to be a time where I'm not showing up for my family. And I think that's the thing that I learned from my dad. Here's my conversation with Johan Martinez Kalilian. Johan Martinez, Kalili, and welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you tonight? Senor, it's good to be here. Good, good. Now, I am very excited to talk to you. You got an awesome backstory. Big thanks to our friend Hammond Chamberlain, who uh, who synced us up. Uh, looking forward to diving in. But before we do, I, what I want to do is just introduce you to our friends at home. So for this group of folks who may not know who you are, how would you introduce yourself to them? You know, um, there's so many different ways, but primarily I am a motivational speaker and an executive coach, and I'm also uh, a Puerto Rican Persian from the inner city of Chicago, so that's how I would introduce myself. Very cool. Awesome background, dude. Um, Thank I'm you, bro. Cuban on just on the other side of the uh, Caribbean there. We're neighbors, so. That's uh, it. We're brothers. That's right. That's right. We're probably related somewhere down the line. That's how that works, right? <laughs> Definitely. That's, that's how it works. The islands are small. Um, right. Now you have, uh, first of all, congratulations, dude. Two months in, you're a dad. How are you feeling? Yeah. You know what? It's funny because um, our third doctor's visit, there was one, Isla, our daughter's name is Isla. And um, he's like, okay, guys, you made it to a month. And that means everything's going fine and she's surviving. So it's smooth sailing from here. And I was, I just kind of looked at him. I was like, wait a minute. So were you worried that we couldn't get here? Like, was there a question mark of whether or not we could get to the one month mark? So, um, I think that's the biggest sentiment right now is that, uh, we have been able to keep a human alive for two months. Oh my God. Yeah. When you start getting them to like the one year, you're like, Oh my God, we kept this thing alive for a year. What? And that whole thought process comes to mind. And and this has been quite an experience for you. And I want us to dive into that. But before we do, let's introduce your family. So you're married and you have a daughter. Why don't you introduce us to the two uh, ladies in your life? 
Yes, so I am married to the lovely Lena Martinez Kalulian and our little girl, her name is Isla Martinez Kalulian. And we also have a cat, her name is Loli Martinez Kalulian. So that's my beautiful, I'm surrounded by ladies. Love it. In my household right now. And so my, actually, my, my wife said the other day, she's like, I had a dream that we had a boy. So we'll see if we ah, um, yeah. have a, another young man enter the mix. But I have a feeling I'm, I'm just going to be surrounded by girls for the rest of my life. We'll <laughs> that's see. what I thought too, brother. And then I had Jake. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> okay, we'll see. So you have your daughter who just joined you guys two months ago. What I want us to do is take a trip down memory lane, let's say uh, al- almost a year ago, you finding out you were going to be a dad. Talk to us mm-hmm. about your mindset at that point and what you were looking forward to and what you were kind of cautious and trepidatious about going into that. Well, my wife at the time, we were not married. So there's a, that's a whole conversation that we could have too. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but she was, she just, uh, was up in LA cause at the time she was living in Encinitas and I was living in Los Angeles and she came up for the weekend and she was like, you know what? Something is up. This was like the, it was a weekend thing. I think it was on Saturday. She said, something's up. I think I may be pregnant. And I was like, so I got really excited. Um, Because this has been pretty much a dream for me for a long time. And so we're like, okay, well, tomorrow. And this kind of displays the type of personalities that we have. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, okay, you know what, tomorrow we'll go. Um, you know, we'll get the test at CVS and, and figure out what's up. And so literally we went to, we went to grocery shop and then we went to a sneaker store because I'm addicted to sneakers. So I wanted to see if they had some stuff at the sneaker store. And then we went to get the test and then we got some tacos and we're literally, you know, we're just like taking our sweet time. Like there's no stress, you know, we're not anxious about anything. Cause I think we both, um, Obviously, we love one another and we're confident of like whatever is ahead, um, we can do it together. So uh, we get back to my place. And so she takes the first test and I am eating some tacos and watching Twilight Zone actually at the time. Have you seen the sec- the um, Jordan Peele Twilight Zone? No, actually, I was about to ask which one it was. So it was, I yeah. mean, is, it, is it good? Some episodes are really, really good. I mean, I love Jordan Peele, so I I was like, this was basically me kind of discovering it at this point. So I was watching one of the episodes, and I put it on, and I'm eating some tacos. And then um, Lena comes out, and she's just looking at me, and she's like, it's positive. And and as soon as she (laughs) says that, the Twilight Zone theme song kicks in. That's so she's amazing. literally coming out. It was it was epic. She comes out and she's like, it's positive. And then you hear, <laughs> and then she like looks at me. She's like, turn that off right now. Turn that off, dude. Talk so about like, perfect off, timing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was cinematic timing. It was really perfect. Um, but I was you know super excited. And then we we just kind of like let it settle in. Like okay. And she's like, hold on. I've heard that sometimes like the first test could be off. You know. So she went and she did it again. And sure enough, like both of them were positive and we're, we're pregnant and we just started to dream up. Okay. Like, what does this mean? Uh, where does this take us? And, uh, we, we definitely figured it all out as you could see, but it was, to me, it was a, a very beautiful moment because I, I love story and to be just the fact that it was coupled with a little twilight zone theme song is amazing. Yeah, man. And you guys got pregnant during a very interesting time. Same thing with Deanna and me with having a kid during COVID and this pandemic. 
Talk to me about what was going through y'all's mind as you were trying to navigate uh, the quarantine and the pandemic with your now wife being pregnant at the at that point. Did you guys take any precautions? Like, how did you guys approach it? I would say we get we found out we were pregnant right around all the civil unrest, all the protesting. So in terms of context, it's like not only pandemic. Yeah, like dude. we're in a you know we're in the like this race war almost, so to speak. And right. all the George Floyd stuff was still unraveling. So it was pretty tumultuous when it comes to America and, you know, us just being able to, to go outside on a number of levels. But for us, the primary thing was when it comes to the pandemic, keeping it a really tight circle, which I think most people who are wise were doing. So I don't think we, and again, like, we aren't the type of people who were going crazy, going out and taking huge risks. Um, but I will say before we found out we were pregnant, we were out protesting together. Mm. Uh, so, so that did change some things in that regard. Yeah. Where now we were, we were taking way more precautions. And then I don't know if you want to jump into this now, but we found out that there was a, a little health situation. So then that yeah. really created more of a cocoon for us to figure out, all right, how are we going to, navigate through this health situation with Isla coupled with the fact that we're living in a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And that is actually a good time to talk about this because this is a, a big part of your story. And I think, I feel like everybody has something, some kind of a little hiccup during the pregnancy. When I, when I talk to them on this show, let's talk about Isla's heart. Um, walk us through the timeline, mm -hmm. what happened when, and then up to where we are today. Essentially, and, and this is where it fits into the whole COVID dynamic, because I wasn't allowed to go into this. Um, it was like a ultrasound session with my wife. And because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to go with her. So I had to FaceTime in. How did you feel about that, and, by the way? I mean, it's one of those things where I didn't like it. We Neither of us, we, we didn't like it. We kind of hated the fact that we had to do it this way. But at the same time, we're like, hey, this is the time that we're in. Um you know, it's it's kind of beyond our control. Yeah. So we surrender to the circumstances, knowing that it's bigger than just us and our own conveniences. Uh, we we wanted to obviously keep everybody safe, and you know, if if that's one of the sacrifices that we had to make, then we're willing to do it. Yeah, I had the same experience but, with, uh, with when Deanna was pregnant with Jake, and I wasn't able to be in any of the ultrasounds like I was with my daughter Aria. Dude, it's so hard, man. So uh, knowing yeah. what you're about to talk about and going into that, it's got to be even worse. So please proceed. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what made made it so frustrating is that literally when the doctor is like, okay, so everything looks good, but we 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 saw two blips, and um, you know, he said the first one was there was a there's a hole, there's a little small hole in in her heart. And, um, you know, so we were just like taking it back. And again, I'm, I'm like at, at the house and my wife is there. And then he says, also there's, and this, I didn't actually mention, I think you only know about the, the hole in her heart, but, um, he also said she has a, a cyst in her lung. Wow. So yeah, so we're, I'm just like, okay, well, what is, what does that mean? And then he's, he starts to talk about like how rare these things are and, you know, but it was like a just the facts kind of moment where he even felt a little bit detached. It was almost like quintessential doctor, like, here, I'm going to tell you this, um, not really telling us 
everything that it means. You know, could it go away? Is it there forever? Like, what do we do next? Um, so we kind of felt left to fend for ourselves. And coupled with that, I'm in a totally different place than my wife at the time because if if we could have left the room together, you know, and process together on our drive back or even just sit in the car for a little bit, I feel like it would have been drastically different. But because of COVID, she gets in the car and drives back. And then, you know, I'm here just pacing the whole time. And um, you know, as soon as she got here, we kind of cried and it was this weight on us. You know, we we're just heavy um, because we had a certain thought of, OK, everything's fine. Like she had a test. I think it was at the 10 week mark and everything mm. was like, OK, baby's fine. Blood tests are good. And then now to hear this, it, it was not what we were expecting. And we had this weight on us for two days. And I want to I want us to talk about how you guys persevered at that point. Yeah. And, and I think about what Deanna and I went through when we, we had a miscarriage before Jake. And when mm. we went through that, I mean, that's it's it's a terrible weight to put on a relationship and a strain to put on a relationship. And here you guys are in the context of, you know, you weren't married. You, you may or may not have been trying. I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, but if, you know, you know, sometimes there's like an order, like a, a classic yeah. order of things that happen. Um, and if this were, you know, like, what does this mean for your all's relationship? How did you guys persevere at that point? Well, you know, I'm a, so I'm an executive coach. And one of the things that I work on, on with clients is mindset. Yeah. So I started to notice where my mind was going, the stories that I was making up. And I talked to my wife about it. And essentially the first thing that we both did was put ourselves in the place of like, okay, imagine the worst thing that could happen, mm-hmm. which the worst thing would be, what would happen if we were to lose our daughter? Who are we in that context? What would we do? What would our plan be? Uh, and then it's then you kind of work back from there. It's like, okay, what if it's not that we lose her, but um, they, they said that potentially what if there's Down syndrome? So then we talked about that. What if she has a hole in her heart and it's just like she needs surgery? You know, so then we talked about that. <laughs> so we literally went through all the routes. We kind of grounded ourselves in who are we in the midst of every situation? What choices do we make? What's our plan there? What's our value system, right? Like, because we both know our value system. So we use that as the place to, to ground ourselves as well as, you know, our faith in God and the fact that we do believe that our life is outside of our control and, and we lean on God's plan for our life. So yeah, we did all the, the work to say, okay, here's all the things that we can't control. These are all the possible outcomes. And we said, what we're going to do is we're going to take all our energy. We're going to basically put it in she's going to be healed. We're going to ask our friends to pray. We're going to, you know, figure out if we need to switch a diet or be more active, less active, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day after that conversation, my wife um, wrote on our mirror, strong heart, strong lungs um, with lipstick. And literally like every single day, that's, that's all we focused on. That's all we prayed about. That's all we talked to people about. And I remember and we went to, basically we had a follow-up with a baby cardiologist, which I don't know if that's the technical name, but I'm going to call yeah, it sure. a baby cardiologist. And, you know, we get in there and they do this really extensive ultrasound where they're just like zooming in, taking pictures, zooming in. And it was like a 45-minute process because I was like, man, 
they're getting absolutely every angle possible here. You know, it came to a certain point where I was I was kind of exhausted by it. I could only imagine how my wife was feeling in the moment. Um, and then after they finished, they're like, okay, well, the doctor's going to meet with you in the other room. We get into the other room. And sure enough, because of COVID, it's, uh, there's an iPad there. And, um, you know, the iPad pops on. And um, there's a doctor there. And she says, hey, why are you guys here? So we told her uh, specifically for checking out what's up with her heart. And she gave us the rundown, you know. And, and she said, well, here's the situation. I just want to let you guys know after examining it fully, your daughter's heart is structurally perfect. There's no hole. So we asked her a ton of questions about this. What about that? Follow up. And, and she said, yeah, you're, you, you guys are good. We, you know, part of us was like, well, can it regress? Can it come back? You know? Right. And yeah. she's like, no. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's, it's fine. It's a hundred percent perfect. Like, you know, you guys don't have to worry about that anymore. And I remember, you know, we logged off and my wife and I just started bawling, crying. Yeah. You know, we lost it. Um, because this was the thing that we'd hoped for. This is the thing that we felt would happen. And we kind of leaned on our community for as well as God. And like, okay, we're like, okay, we did it now. But then she she did say the, the cyst was still there, you know? Mm. So at that point, we were so happy about the, the hole being closed that we were like, okay, well, at least that's one down. Now we can work on the other thing. But that in and of itself was so powerful for us that early on in the first three months of pregnancy, we felt like, I mean, you know, in our relationship, we had already gone through so much. Like we were going through a pandemic. We had gone through civil unrest. We found out we were pregnant. And then we found out we have this health scare, you know? Yeah. And we're we're making our way through all of it. And all of it is really bringing us closer and closer. And um, I'm actually so grateful of the context for us because of what I believe it built in us, you know, is, is there was a strength you know, and a vitality to our relationship that was possible because of, I think, the context that we were in. I think that what you just said there is exactly what's been going through my mind listening to this, the tenacity, bro. Like, it's it's incredible. And, you know, I also want to give you some kudos on having the courage to go there from a mindfulness perspective. You know, I want to, I want to take a step back to something that you talked about. You talked about mindset and that this is something that you cover off on a lot of your executive coaching, which I think is is absolutely applicable in the context of the executive function that is parenting, right? Um, right, exactly. And, and when you're tackling these really, in some cases, life or death situations, and you have to think about, okay, what's the worst situation that can happen? What is What are we like in that context? There's a certain amount of bravery and courage that goes along with being allow allowing yourself to enter that mindset. So what would you say to people at home who are perhaps in a similar situation that may need a little bit of guidance or, or, or help knowing how to develop that courage or, or give themselves permission to do that? The biggest thing is this understanding that I think many of us try to control life. Like we think we have the power to dictate everything. I think there comes a point where as human beings, we must embrace the fact that much of life is beyond our control. We actually have more peace and more power when we we live in a posture of surrender for those things. And I think part of that comes in, like, what does it look like to actually be present? And control the things that you can, you know, have the wisdom to figure out what's in your power, then put all your energy in that. 
like what I've seen, not only in clients that I work with, but in myself personally is how paralyzed I become when I cannot fathom an outcome. Like I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Right. Like I, I don't want to go where I don't, I don't want to think about it. It's, it, it controls me. It paralyzes me. So what I've learned is be willing to talk about the thing that I don't want to talk about, be willing to consider the thing that I, that I think will break me, mm-hmm. the thing that I think will tear my life apart. And then ask myself some of these fundamental questions of like, who am I in the midst of the worst case scenario? What decisions do I make there? What do I believe about life? Right? Like, what do I believe about this human existence? What do I believe for me? It was like, what do I believe about God? And is, is God still good? Is, is God now a villain? You know, and then it's just realizing that, hey, there's so much. We live in a world of pain and suffering. We live in a world where there's a lot of tragedy and that's stuff that we can't control. I don't have the answer to it. Yeah. I don't have the answer in terms of like, why does that stuff exist? I could put all my strength and energy into being mad about that. I can embrace the fact that that stuff is real. I could focus on in the same way that there's pain and suffering. There's also so much love and so much joy and healing and miracles, you know, and and power. And so I put I put my time and energy there saying, okay, I'm going to do what I can to create this type of of existence. Mm -hmm. And then when the worst happens, go back to a surrender. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's bigger things at play. So hopefully, you know, if you find yourself in this type of situation, I know it's easier said than done. Yeah. But, but to just pause and figure out who you are in the midst of that type of conflict, whether that be external or internal conflict, uh, and then make choices from who you want to be, that type of conflict, right? The type of yeah. life that you want to live, knowing that you can't control certain outcomes. There's so much acceptance there too. Like you, you have to, uh, you, you have to accept some things for what you may not want them to be, but for what they truly are just at their core. And that's such a hard thing for us as human beings when we want to control so much and desire specific outcomes from things that perhaps we don't have control over. There's we don't want to give up that control. We, we want to, you know, we don't want that acceptance, but it, but it is what it is. And I think that's where stress, like that's why so many of us are stressed and, you know, there's a, I feel like so much of our pain is from us trying to control things that we can't. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think pain is a thing that we can't do anything about. Suffering, I think, is actually we have a little bit more control over suffering because I think it's how we're relating to pain. It's how we're relating to our circumstances. You know, we don't have to suffer for everything. There's some stuff that's like, hey, yeah, I, I get it. But other things where it's like once you kind of embrace some of the facts that we just talked about, you can you can find a peace in the midst of some of the most painful circumstances of life. And um, that's one of the things that I have realized through the work that I've done, a lot of the inner work that I've done and through my faith. Um, And again, it's like I know it's easy for me to say that because I have been through pain and then I got through it. Um, some people may have gone through some stuff that's even more painful and they could say, hey, it's easier said than done because you don't know my story yeah. and this is what I've gone through, you know, so I'm I'm not attempting to sort of push away the amount of pain that other people have experienced, but it's just opening up a possibility of like, what would it look like if you stepped into a different posture as you walk through that pain? That's so true. I, I love that sentiment. And I want to talk about your 
daughter's lung cyst now. Um, mm-hmm. so, so where are you at in that process? Yeah. So, and, and so this has been a roller coaster, man, because yeah. we went through a couple other ultrasounds and literally were two more after that. And they were like, oh, we can't see anything for the cyst. Um, wow. So we were like, oh my gosh, like both are gone. And then, and the, the ultrasound, like, I think it was uh, either month eight or nine of the pregnancy. They were like, oh, we see it again. Jeez. And so we're like, ah, oh. you know, it was like, we, we had thought that all of it was gone. And then, you know, sure enough, there there it was uh, back to play. But again, like I, because we'd walked through that, we were like, OK, got it. And once she was born, we we talked a little bit with our doctor and he laid out a plan. And he also said, look, like this type of thing could it could be there. It could not be there in three months. Right. So essentially they want to, you know, do a CAT scan on Isla um, around the three or four month mark, which is coming up soon and see if it's still there. So that's right now we're doing the same thing that we did with the heart situation is like putting all our time and energy and like, okay, what can we do, you know, to create healing, to, to see if it's gone. Um, people talk about the healing properties of breast milk. So we're, we're hoping that plays a part as well as, like I said, you know, just praying and, and good intentions. So um, we'll find out in two months where that is, what's happening right now, because it's not just COVID world, but her lung if the cyst is still there it's it's a little compromised so she can't catch the common cold you know those types of things um we're shielding her from so we've been pretty strict in terms of who can come to the house and visit her and not visit her so it's primarily been um, my wife's parents have been the only ones and even you know with my parents they're in chicago i live in um, california right now and um you know we've been creating parameters there my mom's gonna come in june but like i said you know making sure that the vac she's taking the vaccine and um she's been healthy and there it's it's a very fascinating time to really be a parent not just because of covid but also because of the health precautions when it comes to protecting her and her lung yeah you you have to do that and those are tough conversations to have but you have to do it for the sake of your of your kid um yeah wow man what a what a roller coaster indeed. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, thinking two, two months ago when you actually held your daughter for the first time, what, what was that like for you? I mean, so, so, you know what it's like right? as a, as a, as a father, there's, so this is my first time, right. And mm. there's nothing that can prepare you for the feeling, for the emotional experience. Cause there's just so many feelings that hit you, you know, there's so many emotions that occur at the same time. Yeah. Um, and the moment is like, it's still etched in my memory where she's born. The doctor, remember like he, he turned her around and kind of like a Lion King moment. Um, <laughs> I remember she just like locked eyes with me and I'm, I'm kind of, getting a little emotional just thinking about it because like this is a moment that I've been waiting for my whole life and it felt like automatically she was like I'm here you know and I see you and then it was so fascinating to see her level of awareness because right after her and I locked eyes like she just kind of looked around the whole room like she had this little quick moment where she's looking at everybody else and um and then I remember they put her on my wife's chest and 
it's your, I don't know. I Part of it was like, you kind of don't know what's fully happening, but like they, they did like a little snot removal or something like that mm-hmm. from, from her nose and her lungs. And then she let out the big cry. And then finally, I remember when I got to hold her, I think the first thing that was just, again, we we're just crying um, because there was this feeling of, I can't believe it's happening. And you spend so much time wondering about the life that's inside of your wife's belly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, there's a person in there, you know, like who's, who's in there and what are they like? And, um, and then finally, like, you know, you see, you see her and you're holding her. Um, and, and there's so much love and you want to, you want to protect. And, and I remember too, it's like, she was so tiny. I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to hold her the wrong way. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to break her. Um, the more, you know, the more overwhelming feeling was this, just a sense of joy and exhilaration and, and the sense of hope and, and disbelief. Um, it was really, like, like I said, I've never experienced anything like it because it was this convergence of so many different emotions and feelings that ultimately I feel like it was some sort of next level joy. Dude, I can, I can hear it in your, in the way you're describing it, just the sheer amount of love that, that was holding her for the first time and, and meeting your baby girl for the first time. Cause I, I've felt a lot of that when I held Aria for the first time Yeah, and there's something different, man, like Jake holding Jake, a boy was different, but not in like a lesser way. It was just a different way. Like mm-hmm. when you're holding your little girl, man, it's something there's, there, there's something else about that that is like a different, same different feeling. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. But I, I fully jive yeah, I mean, with what you're saying, dude. That's the thing is, you know, I have nothing to compare it to right now. So, uh, you know, um, for me, it was just holding the life that um, my wife and I played a part in creating. You yeah. Know? Like there's just something apart. Like it's just unfathomable. And- yeah. To think about we joined forces and now there's another person who is is an extension of us, you know. Yeah, man, that is it, it's profound. It's an absolutely profound thing to think about. I want to uh talk about uh, another piece that you had actually brought up in your podcast episode. And we're actually going to give some opportunity at the end of the show to talk about your podcast, but um, mm. in in your latest episode, my future is female. Um, you you talked about the idea of activation relationship theory. You know, like you talked about your coach, and and you know you have a lot of um, you know, kind of profound ideas on like what it is like to, to kind of help raise a child and, and and do other things. And now as we're, as we're shifting the conversation a bit to how you're now raising your daughter and building a relationship with her, talk to us about what activation relationship theory is and then how you're kind of bringing that into how you're raising your daughter. I mean, essentially on a simple level from what I understood, and and I'll be honest with you, I'm not the expert, right? (laughs) But essentially, it's the vital role that fathers play in activating child, right? And, and specifically when it comes to their development in the realm of play, protection, discipline, even like risk-taking, it, essentially the, the father plays a stronger role in the mother than the mother does in that regard. Uh, we, we have a very powerful role when it comes to activating our children, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And when I realized that, learned that, 
you know, I think the first thing was like, holy shit, like that's, there's a big weight on my shoulders, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like the role that I play, the type of person my daughter comes. Um, And once I got through some of the fear, um, right, it's like this idea that I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to mess her up. Um, I started to figure out, okay, well then, do I want, what am I committed to when it comes to being a father um, right now to a girl specifically? Um, So the first thing that I wanted to do was have conversations with men who have been able to do it well, people that I've experienced as great dads. And, um, you know, they were able to give me a lot of wisdom because and right now I feel like there's certain things that I've been able to implement at this early stage because it's like two months, you know. Yeah. Um, the primary thing is is just realizing that I have this place in her life. It's not about me being perfect. It's about what path am I creating? What am I inviting her into? Yeah. Um, and that's really what I'm looking forward to is is inviting her into a life where you know it's it's for her it's not even about being perfect it is about play it is about risk taking it is about curiosity because that's where life is lived i don't want to invite her into a life where she's afraid of things especially you know we live in we live in a world right now as we talk about the pandemic where i think there's a lot of fear mongering oh yeah uh same thing politically so I get to be a courageous father, invite her into a bigger adventure. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And, and the world needs a bit more of courageous fathers and, and role models kind of standing up and showing their kids how to live life with that sort of courage and, and leading with empathy and compassion for, for these sorts of things. So I totally jive with that. And, and that's actually really great what you were talking about, the, the role that a father can play in this sort of situation with the upbringing, um, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's an implied relationship with their mother because there, there's already a bond there, like with just right. biologically, uh, even, you know, psychologically, everything, uh, there's, there's that bond already there, but the father has an opportunity and it's a challenge for some, some fathers, depending on the relationship with their child, but they don't necessarily have that implied relationship. And, uh, there's a lot of goodness that they have an opportunity to bring. So I loved what you said about that. I want to shift now a bit to uh, your own upbringing. You know, if we think about how we perform as fathers and what we do to bring, you know, love and compassion and everything that we look to bring to our parenting styles, we look to our own dads in in a lot of cases. Um, and, And I want to talk about your dad for a moment. Um, talk, introduce us to your dad and then, you know, what sort of ways are you perhaps bringing your own parenting style, uh, into how you're raising Isla and, you know, also taking a, a note or a cue from how your father was involved in your life? Well, my, so my father, his name is Jamal. Um, and so the, the, the Farsi way of saying my last name is Halilian. So I gave you the, uh, American way of saying ah. my name, Khalilian. Um, but my dad, you know, is an immigrant from Iran and came here when he was in his early 20s, met my mom, 
uh, actually he was playing professional soccer at the time. So they met here. They started this relationship where he could barely speak English and fell in love with a Puerto Rican girl from Chicago. And he went back to play professional soccer. But my mom is a feisty woman. So she flew over there and was like, nope, you're not you're not leaving. We're we're doing this thing. And they ended up <laughs> getting getting married. Um, they came back. She sounds Puerto Rican. Is that right? Very Puerto Rican. Yes, he's very Puerto Rican. <laughs> um, but essentially, the the revolution was happening in Iran. And then one of my friends, my dad's friends, said, "Hey, you guys need to get out of here. Oh, wow. It's going to get really, really, really bad." Right. And they left right before Black Friday. Um, for those of you that, that don't know, I su- suggest you Google it. Um, but it was a pretty tricky time. If you've seen Argo, you've seen kind of some of the context of the uh, during that season mm-hmm. uh, in Iran. So they just left, and right before they left, airports were um, shut down. Uh, it, it got even worse. So they say that they made it out right in the nick of time. And my father essentially left a budding career as a professional soccer player to come to America and be a dad and be a husband and and uh, raise me you know um then you know the relationship between him and my mom actually got turn for the worse around two years old they they divorced for 15 years and then and then actually got back together again when i was 17. oh wow and yeah so they got married again and had a brother who is 18 years younger than me which that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But essentially, I say all that to, to say one of the biggest things is the dogged determination and per- perseverance my father had to to really keep fighting for family, you know. Um, w- one, be a dad. I think it was just a, a big dream for him too. And even though my parents got separated early on, one of the things that I love, that I saw in my dad was, he was always there. He wasn't the type of father who was like, well, okay, then I'm I'm going to be distant. I'm going to be detached. I'm going to yeah. move to another city. Um, and he was the only one of his family, actually, that lived in Chicago. You know, he had a lot of family in Iran still. He actually had some family members that lived in in uh, Texas and some in Virginia. And my, my father chose to be the Lone Ranger when it comes to his family just because he wanted to be around me. Um so that's always been something that I've seen heroism in him to do that. And and the difference would be, I, I believe, for myself, like my wife and I are going to be together. But what I do know is there's never going to be a time where I'm not showing up for my family. And I think that's the thing that I learned from my dad. You know, like he consistently shows up. It's so funny because even to this day, you know, I'm a, I told you I'm a sneaker fanatic. So, yeah. You know, he'll help me get sneakers whenever it's hard to get on the apps or over here in L.A. And and he'll make some runs and hit up Foot Locker in Chicago or another <laughs> store. And he's just that guy that will always go the extra mile. You Love know, it. he's always he's, he's just like one of the hardest workers that I know on so many levels, you know. And um, that's who I want to be. Like, I want to keep showing up. I want to keep fighting, um, you know, keep persevering, knowing that. That dynamic is really hard to create in people. It's so hard. It's got to be, if it's taught, I mean, like, if people don't innately have that sort of value or awareness even, you know, um, there's, it, it takes a lot of work to build that in. Um, so, so kudos to you on that 
awareness and that self-awareness because that's bro it's so important um so and, and awesome awesome with your dad man that's what what a beautiful soul that's yeah incredible. he's he's a g he's a, he's a straight up g my mom is too you know i could talk about both of them all day like they're they're very powerful human beings and and the thing is you know in these types of moments when you ask about i feel like you could talk about dark side of our parents too you know yeah um and and i think most of us get to a certain point where if our parents ha- you know aren't perfect which i believe that pretty much every parent isn't uh-huh. we can we can get hung up on their dark side and then not celebrate really the beauty that they have inside of them you know and um that's why i want when you asked me the question i was like i wanted to make sure that i celebrate the beauty of my father yeah and you know really the i think the champion that he's been in my life um because it's not easy, you no. know. And, uh, and now that you're in be... the thick of it, dude, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not freaking easy. Yeah, exactly. And this is just two months in. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh my god. You know, it is. It is one of the most vulnerable places to be in as a human being is to be responsible for the life of another human. I hate proving my parents right when they were telling me when I was six year, 16 years old, like, you're going to have kids one day and you're, they're going to do this. <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah, right. My kids are going to be great. And now that my kids are freaking doing it, I'm like, and I, 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 you know, you got to give them credit. And it's like, oh, you're right. You're right. Ah, they were right all along. Damn it. You know, parents know. And then now, you know, we're, sometimes I tell my brother that because, like I said, he's 18 years younger. And I was like, Look, man, you're making choices thinking you know everything, <laughs> but let me just tell you, you don't. You're just going to come a point in your life where you figure it out. You're like, dang. Bro, you're already having this conversation. Yeah. Look at yeah. you. That's so funny, man. So 18 years younger, man, what, that's that's quite a difference. Uh, what, what was that like? I mean, you, I'm sure that you uh, played a little bit of a parental role with your with yeah. your little brother, right? Definitely. Well, you know, the thing is there, it's um, I've try, I tried my best to stay a brother. You know, but yeah. you could tell that at times I was also a father figure to him. Yeah, there's plenty of stories that I could share with him. And, and I would say, you know, I, being a motivational speaker and was kind of the golden child of the family. Yeah, uh, I've never taken a sip of alcohol in my life. I've never done drugs. Like I was the quintessential like, oh, yeah, Juan's a good guy, you know, yeah. and for a long time. I would see my family doing this, not just my parents, but aunts and uncles. And they would all tell Joshua, like, you got to be like your brother. You know, you got to be like your brother and your brother's this and your brother's that. And for a long time, like he, he, yeah, he wanted to be like me. He hit a certain stage where you could see him. He was trying to figure figure himself out and and what is his own way and his own path. Um, So he actually started to rebel, but we didn't even know it. And he was experimenting, you know, with like drugs and alcohol and, um, a lot of stuff that teenagers do, yeah. and then we found out because he'd gotten arrested. Uh-huh. And yeah, was, he got arrested. He was kind of one of those situations where it's wrong place, wrong time. And you know, he lied about being eighteen. He was seventeen at the time, and mm-hmm. police took him in, kind of to teach him a lesson. Yeah. Um. So you know, my parents bailed him out. I was living in L.A. and I remember talking to him, and uh, you could he just he just sounded different. Yeah. It was. I was glad that this information had come out because I was like, okay, what's been going on? You've been living kind of like a double life, and we started to go to some therapy sessions. And I, I just remember early on figuring out that he had this other part of him, 
was trying to like tough love him into a new position, you know, like yeah. I just I I saw that that wasn't working. He would he would move farther and farther away emotionally and just disconnect. But there came a point with him where I said, Josh, just I just want to let you know something. And this is it just kind of like clicked for me where I said, I love you. No matter what, you could keep going down this path. You you could you could keep doing drugs, you could keep drinking, you could keep doing whatever it is that you want to do. I'm not going anywhere. Now I, I, I would love for you to to shift. I'm I'm just letting you know, even if you never shift, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I'm here for you. And I would say that was the beginning of a shift. Wow. It, it seemed like for my brother, he wanted to know, do you love me for me or do you love me when I'm only behaving correctly? Yeah. You know? um, and I, w- I would say that was a big lesson for me to see how I was loving. I had a, a strong conditional love muscle as opposed to an unconditional yes. love muscle. And I think that's when I took a turn in that sense to be like, okay, here's what it truly means to love someone. And to know that when we talk about control earlier, you can't control the actions of another person. No. Uh, you, you can create a space where you invest, you can pass on wisdom, you can play a part in creating vision, you can share values, but they have to make their own choices. And how, and how do you love folks where as they make their own choices that you don't agree with, you can still show up to love them. Uh, so that for me was a very powerful, I think, turning point with my brother and I that has shifted us completely. Now he's 23, so he's he's gotten a little bit out of that, you know, portion of his life. Now I'm just wanting to get a, a better job, you know. <laughs> uh, but but that's a whole nother thing, <laughs> you know. And and now I think Isla will benefit from that too. And I went I went I cut my teeth there with my brother. Yeah, that's gonna. That's a good uh, example to set with Isla and a good life experience, so that you now have kind of the blueprint for having that conversation with Isla. So, yeah, yeah, kudos on that, and, and good job keeping that good brotherly barrier. You know, like you're still his brother, right? And I think that him seeing that you were willing to see him as himself, not just you know Johan two two that's not the way it right. is. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's right. really, really important. Um, so, so kudos on that. You know, I, I always like to, first of all, this has been such a great conversation and I definitely, um, appreciate the wisdom you've brought a lot of really good experience from, you know, the tenacity of, of handling Isla's medical issues to, you know, some of the, the, the struggles with just COVID and having a, a child during COVID and everything like that, holding her for the first time. And then some of these examples of your dad and your brother, you know, you've imparted a lot of wisdom, but if you were to share specific words of wisdom with any dads out there, perhaps a younger Johan, somebody who's listening yeah. to this, who who could let, use some of that, what would you tell them? A couple of things. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, folks have been able to, to glean some stuff from the stories that we've shared so far. I think at this early stage in my fatherhood journey, one, it's understanding the importance of creating a picture of who you want to be as a father. Because if you don't have a clear image of that, 
you're going to default to a certain setting. You're going to default to whether it be past wound. Um, you're going to default to fears. You're going to default to insecurities. And, and then basically create from there as a father. So if you don't, if you don't have a beautiful, brilliant vision mm -hmm. of who you want to be as a dad and what type of relationship you want to create, you're going to, you're going to go to that default mode. So for me, it's understanding that what I realized early on, I was so preoccupied with not making mistakes. Mm. I didn't, you know, it was like, I don't, like I said earlier, I, didn't, I had that conversation with myself internally. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And what I've realized as a, as a coach is whenever I can sense a client or now even myself saying what I don't want on the other side of it is a vision. So I dug a little bit deeper, figured out, okay, here's who I do want to be. And I stepped into, well, is a why, why do I want to make mistakes? Because if I'm making mistakes, I'm growing. If I'm making mistakes, I'm actually learning. If I'm making mistakes, I'm, I'm putting in an effort. I know myself when I'm preoccupied with not making mistakes, I'm more of a, a, a sideline observer. You know, it, from little things like I don't want to change a diaper wrong, or I don't want to hold her wrong when I'm burping her. First couple weeks, I could sense all that insecurity and fear popping up for me, and I just caught it. I was able to shift it and turn it into, okay, what do I want to do? I want to learn fast. I want to be willing to make these types of mistakes so that I can become a champion, a diaper changer, <laughs> become yeah. become a professional burper. Uh, and become the most present and loving father, you know, of all time. And a lot of that comes from my willingness to make mistakes um, because there's a vision there, you know. And I, I think that's that's where it all starts when it comes to anything that matters in life is do you have a clear picture? Do you have a vision of what you're creating? Because if you don't, you're really going to default to some of these settings that we have as human beings that don't bring out the best in us. God, we're all so guilty of that. I know I am plenty guilty. And, and a lot of that is just some innate fear that we don't want to make mistakes and we don't want to admit that we have that fear for whatever reason. It could be, you know, pride, ego, whatever, the, the mm -hmm. male machismo bullshit that comes around. But yep. it's really, you have to. And it's so easy to say but and uh, to talk about. But man, it, it's so worth it when you do, when you just take that extra step to to get outside your comfort zone, especially as a dad, to get yourself to a position where you are executing as a dad the way that you want to be, you know, for your kids. Mm -hmm. God, the, the difference, man, the difference. I love that. I love that. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I, I want to make sure. sure that everybody at home knows about your podcast. So let's talk about that for just a little bit. And the, the latest episode that we were talking about earlier, do you want to give us kind of a rundown? Yeah, for sure. So my podcast is called From the Future with Love. We actually just finished up the first season and uh, we're about to kick off season two. Essentially, the show is a, is a future-based conversation. So we're, we're literally having... Um, we call time travelers come onto the show and give us a picture of a future that we have to look forward to or that we get to look forward to, right? A future where potentially everybody votes. So what does that look like? How did we get there? Um, you know, we have, we had a show about uh, a future where there's no more cancel culture. Actually it's, it's more rooted in redemption. 
and mm. forgiveness. I like, what, is, what does that look like? And we have a time traveler come on to say, hey, I live in this future. Let me, let me help you kind of uh, develop the pathway to get where we are here. Um, as, as a coach, we believe that future-based language transforms the way that the world occurs to us. Like how we interact with today is based on that picture of the future, right? So if we don't have that hope, if we don't have that picture, it's like, what do we show up for? And I think right now we live in a time where there's a lot of disillusionment. There's a lot of cynicism. You know, there's a, there's a lot of dueling sides where some folks would say, well, what, like it's, what do we have to look forward to? And the world is getting worse and worse. So we wanted to create a show where we said, okay, what if we instill this hope and created a vision of uh, a really beautiful, bold future that we all get to play a part into creating. Mm -hmm. So that's from the future with love. That is wonderful. And your latest episode where um, I discovered you through our mutual friend Hammond Chamberlain uh, is My Future is Female. It's it, I, I started listening. I was like, oh, this is totally giving me some like dad chronicle vibes because of the way you were having the conversations with the dudes. And they had some great stories. So I really encourage folks at home yeah. to go give that a listen. That was, that was a very good conversation. Thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a great conversation with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you again. Our guest has been Johan Martinez. Okay, here we go. Jalilian. Did I get it? There you go. There, let's see. You, you did it, bro. Bro, I'm it. telling you, man. I so got it. I get to come on like every time I have a baby. Is that the way this is? Yeah, man. You have to keep having babies. You just <laughs> keep having those babies and you come on in and you let us know how they're doing. Okay, great. All right, I'm just going to keep making babies with Lena. I'm sure she's going to love that. <laughs> I'm sure she won't mind. Like, Let's I have 15. Let's I, I have know, 15 of them. I know you don't mind. We'll see how she feels after oh, that. Oh, no, I love the process. You know, it's like great. The process dude. is great. I feel like the actual pregnancy, giving birth to the child is the part where she's like, hey, we may want to taper down how many times we're doing this. <laughs> well, my man, thanks again for being here. Do appreciate all the uh, words of wisdom. Likewise, brother. Peace. Man, what an awesome conversation. Huge thanks again to Johan for sharing his story. I loved everything that he talked about, the philosophical pieces, the emotional pieces, and also just the tenacity that he brought to his experience as a father for just these you know, past two months of him actually being a father and supporting his wife through pregnancy. It's all so awesome. So Johan, again, thank you so much for being here. And I wanna remind you at home that if you enjoyed this conversation and want to support what we're doing, you can do that directly by heading over to supportadad.com. There you can become a patron, find a level that works for you. Even $1 a month helps tremendously. And if you'd like to reach us and comment on anything that we talked about today, you can do so by emailing thedadchroniclepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, be good to yourself and be good to others. See you next time. If you like this show, Check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.